welcome. Legally Brief presents Changing Our Institutions. I'm your host, Judy Saunders. I'm a lawyer who works with private and public companies, educational institutions, and sports organizations to identify root causes, confront historic failures, and boldly implement change to our institutions. This podcast is for corporate change agents, disruptors, and mindset mavericks who are committed to making our institutions work better for themselves and the next generation. I want to remind you that while I hope you enjoy every episode in the series that we're doing on changing our institutions, the content of this programming is not a substitute for speaking directly with an attorney who understands your unique circumstances. If you're looking for past episodes or information, please head on over to my website. There you'll find information and you can sign up for newsletters and you can learn more about me and my practice. I'm glad you're here. Let's get ready and let's talk and make some changes. Thank you for coming back to part two of my conversation with Don Masabi. Now, if you didn't listen to part one, you have to go back and hear the conversation that I have with this mother, with this activist, and the co-founder of the Don't Shock Me Foundation. In part one, you learned all about Madeline. You learned about her beautiful life and how just three days before she and Don, Maddie and Don celebrated her birthday, she became ill in what seemed to be like just a stomach ache and then passed away suddenly. Now in part two, Don is going to tell you about what she has learned. She did a deep dive into the research in founding this organization, the speaking that she does, the awareness, the symptoms, the signs that we should look for, and then also what she's doing to keep us all safe. I'll tell you, when you have a mom on a mission to honor her daughter and to help other women, they become unstoppable. And that's really the mission of this podcast and the mission of the work that I do to make the world a better place through our pain. We transform it as survivors, as change agents, disruptors, and mindset mavericks. That's who I record this show for. And you're going to listen to change agent in part two, Don Masabni. Stay tuned. Don, what you talk to us from the perspective of your research, what you've learned through the foundation, the people you've met, the speaking that you have done. Tell us about some of the instances where if the woman did not pass away from this, what are some of the other residual effects of having this condition? Oh, gosh. You know, the tampons have carcinogenic properties in them. They have dioxin in them. And it's been said that, you know, a little dioxin won't hurt anyone. But a woman uses basically 16,800 tampons in her lifetime. So a little bit in 16,800 tampons seems to be a lot to me. And uh, dioxin will, you know, sit and, and, and gather in your fatty tissue in your abdomen because women have that. That's how we're made. And 
It could give you cancer, endometriosis, ovarian cancer, cervical cancer. It could make you infertile because it's destroyed your ovaries, the toxins, you know, uh, I said endometriosis, like so many different things that, and organ damage, your organ damage, you can get kidney kidney disease, all these diseases where, you know, now you have to be on dialysis because it affected your kidneys. And let's not even talk about that, the mental the, the what it does psychologically psychologically to your brain one poor girl is afraid to have her period even though it's a normal part of a woman's body so you can have children you know it's it's normal absolutely is scared to pieces when she gets her period that she may die it it does so much more than everyone thinks it does and you know it you can go off the deep end a victim you know was so ashamed and so, you know, affected by it that she started using drugs to calm herself down and she got in trouble and then didn't finish school and until she got proper help. Then now she's, you know, doing better and she's, you know, she understands it better. And she went back to school and finished. She got married. She has a family, but this, this should not be happening at all with education from schools, educating and health classes from our government educating and from doctors educating. This should be normal conversation every day. Just like, you know, you talk about having sex or getting a condom and use a condom and this, this is the same thing. This is part of your body that is natural. And this is what happens. You get a period, you menstruate. You're taking us exactly to where we need to go with this conversation right now. We started at the top of this conversation where I referenced you as a change agent. Maddie, she is a change agent. First, tell us why, what is this big secret? Why don't, what has your research shown why we don't talk about this? Why the last time I heard about this before 2021 was in the the last, not, not even learned about it. The last time I saw even the word shock in relation to a tampon was in the early 90s. Why is that in your opinion? Because women and young women, you know, young girls go through changes and they've been made to be ashamed of their bodies throughout their whole life or to be looked at as, you know, an item of some sort. And that's wrong. You know, this is a healthy, functional part of a woman's body. And just like men have certain issues going on, they're free to talk about and they get help and women help them and talk about it openly with them. This should be the same for young women and all women on menstrual toxic shock and menstruating. This is a part of our lives. And this is a life-threatening illness that can take you in hours if you do not learn about it. So we have this culture, we have this stigmatism, this, this stigma rather. Yes, the stigma. Stigma in our culture about the function, the flow, the, the cycle Anything around women's bodies and health we're ashamed of. Historically, we know, and I've recorded different episodes on just the historical reference, the, uh, the lack of authority that women historically have had over their bodies, over their body functions. So now we can bring it into our discussion and we frame it as, and I think you said it perfectly, we're made to feel ashamed of our bodies. So in just that larger context, 
it would then follow that this process, the menstruation, you don't talk about it. There used to be, can you remember, Don, some of those sitcoms when we were younger and you would see these comedies where the the husband, they would go to buy tampons (laughs) and it was a big deal. They would make fun of it or say sayings, you know, like, (laughs) oh, she's, you know, it's that time. They make fun of something that makes, you know, you more embarrassed where it shouldn't be. It should be openly discussed, openly accepted. It should be openly accepted like other things are openly accepted. Exactly. So even yet and still today, and so tell us through your work with the foundation, are you seeing that there's a change or is there more discussion around it? Or are you still receiving kind of a people don't know, people are afraid to talk about period menstruation? What, what are you seeing out there in the field? It goes twofold. There are some who are, and I try to uh, make it a comfortable situation so we can start talking about it to educate on tampon dangers um, in order to prevent menstrual toxic shock. But when I go to some of my speaking engagements at colleges, I am so glad to see there are men in the audience and they are just as curious with as many questions who want to learn because they have sisters, girlfriends, cousins, mothers, friends. That's awesome. And they want to make sure this doesn't happen to them. That's awesome. And through education is the only way to make sure it doesn't happen. And laws and new laws. Yes. I'm happy to hear that. I'm so glad to hear that because you know, when, when we were growing up, there is no way you ever heard or talked about menstruation. It was hidden. You were running off to the bathroom. God forbid, forbid you got your period in public. You, you know, you would be whisked off, you know, in a top secret, you know, CIA compound, you know, a black car whisk home to, you know, to feel shamed and embarrassed. So I'm glad that that's happening. It's remarkable though, Don, that in the other areas that I work, that I advocate on or represent survivors on, it is a pattern. I see the same pattern of shame and it all goes to keeping this important information secret. So for example, I've seen it in areas where if it's say some type of direct abuse, be it physical abuse, sexual abuse, it has to do with the body, the survivor, the victim feels ashamed. So they don't speak out again. It's similar here. Something's happening to your body. You don't really know about it because it's not being talked about in our schools by the government. No. And it's not always physical, you know, it's emotional abuse and you're being emotionally abused by being demeaned or, or, you know, made fun of because of something that's just natural. It's hard. It's really a hard environment out there. And, you know, we're making headway and talking about it so openly. Good. And you can still see some people look back and say, oh my God, is she really talking about that? And I'm like, yeah, I am. Yes. And I'm going to, and I'm going to continue to until my very, very last breath. You know, I'm going to continue on speaking engagements. I'm going to continue going to colleges and organizations and high schools when they invite me to talk about this, to educate them so they can protect themselves and not get sick from something, you know, that they use for a natural hygiene product. You know, it's a natural bodily function and they're using a hygiene product and, and something really bad can happen and no one's educating them. So I'm going to continue. What, what have you learned through your foundation? Is there anything that the manufacturer, the corporations, there's anything they can do on their side of this equation? Oh my gosh, absolutely. 
What can they do? Here's the thing. If they were only willing and would reach out instead of, you know, hiding, then I would say, hey, let's work together. Let's do this together. Let's create a, an educational program. Let's recreate the boxes. Let's let's teach everyone and just make it normal talk throughout a day and save so many lives and so many illnesses that come from the toxin going through their body. And let's just make it a better place. Why isn't that happening? I'm sure that you've made attempts or... Honestly, it's going to be, it's going to be profit over, over everything because profit always rules. They'd rather keep hush hush because they can pay someone off or someone, God forbid, gets sick enough or dies. They'll just, they'll buy them off and they'll just continue to sell their product. It's just easier for them than to do the other, which is a pioneer move to go out and come ahead and say, you know what? We realize this, this is a problem. And you know what? We're going to change it. We're going to have more open communication with our customers and we're going to redo the whole marketing campaign. And we know the tampons are necessary because of sporting events and, you know, all these athletes and, and et cetera. And we're just, we're going to do it together. We're going to make it so that lives are more important than money. And that's where we, that's where we come in. That's where you come in, Don. That's where women, where we come in, we have to start listeners. Look, here's the challenge. We have to, for Maddie, for all the young girls, if you're a mother, if you are a, if you have a mother, if you have a sister, if you have a wife, a daughter, we now know. You can't look away. You cannot unhear Maddie's story now. I'm sorry. I put it out there. So if you have someone, it's now incumbent on you to educate yourself and to spread the word. Don, are you familiar at all with period movement. I learned about it through Instagram. So they have an Instagram page and I came upon it in my Instagram feed and their whole kind of mission vision is similar to what you're saying, but they're more focused on just normalizing periods, demanding that products be made safer that we use in our period, be it, be it um, menstrual pads or tampons. And also just making it something normal in a conversation because they believe that in doing that, the female form itself will be not objectified. It will be seen for its many purposes and the beauty that it's in. Are you familiar with these positive period movements? I did look them up and I reached out to them asking, you know, could we support each other and work together to educate women um, to keep them safe from dangers of tampon use? and. They really wanted to know, I don't know how to explain this, what I could do for them. And it wasn't what I could do for them. It's what we're going to do together Yeah, for safety. Okay. And one thing I have to be honest with you that, and, and this will go into the bills we're working on to try to help women was I read some of their posts and they give out menstrual hygiene products to those who can't afford in areas and developments of, of you know countries and so forth wherever and i absolutely 100% support that but with one condition my condition is before you give out a product like you get in the nurse's office at a school before you give it out to anyone why don't we educate them on first got it and that's my problem with them is that they're not really educating them on the dangers of tampon use and menstrual toxic shock because some of the posts read, oh, yeah, you know, if you leave it in too long, you'll get it. And people are, are reading this. And that's not the case. 
Right. But you're t- you've taken a deeper dive. Yeah. I'm, tra- I'm taking a deeper dive into it and they need to, to focus, you know, a little bit more, you know, on, on saving lives. So tell us about that. So we'll end our conversation. I want to know what you said just before about the legislation, the bills, some of the work you're doing, you know, in state legislatures. Tell us about that. So we know what to look out for and how we can act. I will be so happy to do that. And all I can say is to make a difference, you have to step up. And if you believe in what we're doing and saving lives and educating to this horrible disease, read our bills, talk to your legislators, demand they get, they get approved and become law because they will save countless lives throughout our country, let alone New Jersey. And that's all I can really ask is, is go to our website, learn about it, educate someone else, download a brochure, give it to someone because indirectly you're saving someone's life when they learn about the signs and symptoms. We should be reading those, you know, we should just have those printed out, read those to our girls, read those, let people know, let the schools know. So I'm going to connect to that. I'm going to make sure that the show notes connect directly to those bills so we can take a look at them. Yes. And then on our website, we do have a warning poster and pamphlets I hand out when I go on speaking engagements. And there's a documentary that is so heartfelt and emotional. And when we were talking earlier this evening about getting the word out and girls talking about not knowing about it before Madeline, this is three or four of her friends talking about what they didn't know, what they think about the manufacturers, what they think about schools not educating and teaching it, how they learned about it. Why did they have to learn about it that way? It's, it's really worth watching. I ask every mom who has a teenage daughter to sit down and watch it with them okay. um, so they understand as well because they have to be educated as well. And that documentary is on the website? On the website. Okay, so tell everybody again. So what's the what's the name and the website? It's called don'tshockme.org. Okay, and so some of our bills, let me discuss them with you really quickly. We have several. One is called Madeline's Law. And Madeline's Law is the first one where we have introduced and are trying now for almost three years to get made into law, but we were not we're not stopping. It is to make it mandatory education in all health classes, grades five through twelve on menstrual toxic shock. It's also to have warning posters in all public restrooms, nurses' offices, et cetera, so that every time you see it, you're reminded. And just like anything else, repetition, it stays in your brain. You can, you can recall it and you'll be able to, to know when something's wrong. And then vending machines. I went into your building when I was visiting someone and I went into the ladies' room and there was a vending machine and I came out hysterically crying. There was no warning, nothing about the products. So we put that in there as well. Another bill we introduced was um, Medical Questions Act. And what this is that, you know, when uh, you have a patient come to you and it's gastritis-like or flu or stomach bug symptoms, we want them to reach outside the box because every woman gets asked two questions. When was your last period and could you be pregnant? Right. Well, we're going to ask two more questions with this bill. We're going to ask When's the time last time you used a tampon and have these symptoms started since using the tampon? Because now we can say, well, it might not be the stomach bug. Let's check for menstrual toxic shock immediately because we don't have a lot of time to work with this and rule it out before we go anywhere else or send the patient home to get sicker. 
Wow. That seems powerful. Those two extra questions. Yes. Two extra questions will save a life. And then also in that is we are trying to get put in there that at every single yearly checkup with the pediatrician, because that's where you first get your period or your gynecologist at your yearly checkups, they are talking in detail about menstrual toxic shock and handing you out a pamphlet so you can have it as a reference material to always look back at. So you understand the signs and symptoms. You understand the dangers of tampon use. You understand what your body will go through, how quickly you need medical help. But Don, these, these seem so reasonable, nonsense, nonsensical, easy. Is there pushback? Is Very, there resistance? You know, not, not non-cost whatsoever. Basically, if you really think about it, the pushback is, you know, a political arena, you know, Democrats against Republicans, not agreeing this, that, you know, um, I'll do it if you give me this favor by this bill, etc. This is it's craziness. Sure. I don't, I don't, you know, I, I asked that in jest for our listeners. I worked on Capitol Hill, so I, I get it, you know, but I get upset because I'm like, you are sitting here and using a woman's life as a bargaining chip. How shame on you. Yeah. Can I say, right. To do that. So let me just finish up with a couple other bills we have. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We have another bill that is a packaging bill. And in this packaging bill, which I know will get resistance, but I'm going to fight until my last breath. And this is why I said it would be great if they were pioneer and opened up and, and joined us, is that here the packaging, we want it to have a symbol to the dangers and say, may cause toxic shock on the front of the package. We want one side to have the signs and symptoms and big, bold, black, legible writing so they can learn them and see them constantly. The other side, all the ingredients, same, big, bold, lead writing so they can see it. And then when you open the box, instead of that throwaway, because everybody does it, and I'll explain that in a second, to have the signs and symptoms right there in bold print. So every time you pull one out, you are educating yourself so you can self-advocate if something should happen instead of throwing out that piece of paper. This way, there is no mistake on what is going on and you can save a life. Right. Also, when I go to speak at colleges, this is something you really, everyone should understand is that when I speak, I go out in my audience and we're talking very openly and I ask them, does anyone even know what it is? A hand maybe. They don't know what menstrual toxic shock is. Biggest question next is, how many of you throw the insert away without even looking at it? Me, I, I'm raising my hand, Don, because that's exactly what I did. <laughs> Every hand in the room, every time goes up and I can feel the tears. I'm fighting back because they aren't learning. The manufacturers putting that insert in is not doing anything. One of the FDA regulations for them is to have legible and understanding of what toxic shock is so that they understand, they read it and understand it. That is a regulation for the manufacturers by the FDA. When I contacted the FDA, they did, it wasn't a concern for them. Manufacturers are not abiding by that regulation because no one is reading it and no one is understanding it. Yeah. So we have to go bigger. And that's why we have those three bills out there. With those three bills, we have a federal bill we're writing right now. And we're going to see our congressman and a New York congresswoman on this to hopefully push it forward which has all that in it, but 
menstrual toxic shock day, March 30th, having menstrual toxic shock have its own diagnosis code instead of thrown in with sepsis or toxic shock because you cannot sit there and separate it. So when they tell you to come back with statistics, how many people had it? You can't because it's not its own diagnosis code where you can gather that data. My own daughter wasn't even reported. We need to do that so we can better understand where it is, what age it is, how we can help them, you know, what can be done. This is so important. So this federal bill is very comprehensive. And we're working out there with a friend of mine who lost both her legs to menstrual toxic shock when she was 24. Wow. From this. And she's a model in L.A., and a very dear friend. And she comes to all our fundraisers and speaks from her heart about her situation, her pain, what happened, and how many people want to talk to her and how many people walk away from all our functions saying, I had no idea. I didn't even know. Oh my gosh, what can I do? How can I make this right? How, how do we get this across? What, how can we save someone? We're doing it right now. Do, do you have a name that you're using for the federal bill while it's being drafted? Not yet. No. Okay. It doesn't even have a number or anything. It hasn't gone to the Congress. Okay. Well, you'll tell us. I'll keep up with that. You'll, you'll tell us about that. We have Facebook. We have Instagram. I always post on both of those, anything that's going on. Good. And we're develop, developing a page on the website to have all the bills and where they stand so we can keep you updated on that. I also pull an article off the internet very informational that might have some set truth in it. And I post it, but then I also post my article next to it, evaluating the article and telling all the truths about it from what I've learned. From what you've learned. And you said that the young lady who lost both of her legs, you said at 24, what has your research shown in your, through the foundation? What is the age group that's most at risk for this? You know, because of her and what happened, I'm going to say 15 to 24, even though they say 15 to 19 is most at risk because their bodies haven't fully developed the immunities uh, to fight menstrual toxic shock, that bacteria and that toxin. But I'm going to say 15 to 24 as a high risk. And you need to know everything about it and the signs and symptoms and, you know, that putting the association together with tampon and. 15 to 24. And Don, that's the area. So you know that I... Maddie was 19. My, Maddie was 19. And they say, yeah. Maddie was 19. Those are the young ladies that I work with. And when I, in the capacity that I work with, many times part of their being a survivor, they've endured abuse and shame in relation to menstruation. So, you know, that's if they're an athlete, it's the shame around getting your period because then that changes your physique. Say if you're a gymnast, if you're a swimmer, that in conjunction, so you're keeping silent about this natural body part, this natural body function rather. And so you're keeping silent, you're shamed about that. And then you put on top of that, you may start to feel some of these deadly symptoms and not know or ignore it. Yes, that's exactly right. And that's what's so dangerous, not knowing and ignoring, because those are the two things that put your life very much in danger and can take it within hours. Well, as it's been my experience, Don, that moms, women, we change things. And what, when I got from you, we've talked on the phone. Yes. And I got that mom energy from you. And I said, wow, this is going to change 
the world. Don't shock me.org. Now, every listener that's heard this, we are going to activate. It's now on our radar. Madeline's Law. We're going to look for the federal bill. We're going to talk to our daughters about it. I can't wait to print out your posters and put them in my office. I don't want there to be any shame. I want these girls that come in to see me and also in the work that I do in working with private and public organizations, there has to be, there, there is a way. I'm a visionary. I believe in missions. There has to be a way for companies, for organizations to collaborate, to save women's lives. We're important. We're important. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, I just want to say a few things really quick is that- Please, please. The greatest gift I've ever had and the best, most rewarding job, even though the hardest, is being a mom. Yes. And my children are my world. And to have this happen and find out and know she did not have to die and she could be here is heart-wrenching, to say the least, and heartbreaking. And I feel that, you know, we can all do this together. This does not have to happen to anyone else. And while I am working on the foundation, I'm going to do all I can. And, you know, you asked me a question a while back when you sent me questions, and it was really interesting. It's what can young athletes and parents do to become aware of menstrual toxic shock syndrome? Well, of course, the website yeah, you know, and the posters and, and learning, you know, everything they can about it, my speaking engagements, self-education, you know, hopefully through the doctors and through schools, that would be great. But there's no way to readily educate themselves about this very serious illness and that it is uh, the whole reason our foundation does exist to get those avenues out there because they're not available or readily available. The foundation realizes that kids aren't educated in school health classes. Parents aren't educated through literature at school or healthcare facilities. Or doctors don't discuss it ever with their patients at yearly checkups, ever. And this is what happened to my beautiful daughter and myself. And uh, it's because of this that we are desperately trying to rectify before another life is lost or harmed. That's our job. That's what we stand for. And don't shock me, Maddie Misabney Foundation for Toxic Shock Awareness is going to do all they can to educate and create awareness and save lives. I did promise the victims when they contacted me, I wrote each one individually, each one, heartbreaking stories. I promise that the foundation is their voice. They're not forgotten. And we will stand up for them and make sure what happened to them is recognized and that we find a way to eradicate and make it better for women's health. This is speaking with you. This is the things that I love to do. I love to have conversations. Not that I love that you're going through this, but I love how you have transformed this into activism and you're going to save lives. Maddie's going to save lives. And I'm honored to have met Maddie through you. I can only imagine if she was anything like mom, I can only imagine. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you. (laughs) Oh, Judy, she was so much stronger and beautiful from the inside. And just, she just would tackle whatever came her way and give it all she had to make it better. So she was definitely a pioneer. She just didn't know it. 
That's awesome. Thank you for doing this work, Don. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on your talk. This isn't going to be the last. We're gonna, you're going to come back because I want to know, our listener wants, we want to know if these bills are moving through and if they're not moving through, what can we do and who do we need to call? That's the type of, uh, that's the type of activism that I do. We used to call it when I worked in politics, GOTV, get out the vote, grassroots. That's what we need to know. So. <laughs> yes. Exactly. I'm going to remember that EOTV. Yep. What you can do is all I ask is read about them, support them, call your legislator. Okay. And and demand saying this bill, I want this bill passed. The more who call and make noise and say, I want the bills passed wherever they live in New Jersey, every single district, call your district. If you do this, they will listen. That's what we're going to do. The more noise they will listen. These will then get approved, hopefully, and and God willing, so many lives will be saved. And you might see a smile on my face as I look up and thank my daughter for giving me the strength and courage every single day to push forward with this mission and fight. Thank you, Don. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you, everyone. Until next time, be well. information and content in this podcast is provided for entertainment purposes only nothing in this podcast shall constitute legal advice and shall not create an attorney-client relationship this information is general and may not be applicable to your particular circumstances you should review your particular circumstances with an attorney all liability with respect to actions taken or not taken based on the contents of this podcast is hereby expressly disclaimed